Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the value of hindsight as we pick up in Genesis chapter 41, verse 45. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. I still had confidence in my abilities in those days. Corona is where the Lord began to whip out some of the confidences, I'll tell you. That was, that was a miserable two years. We started out with 16, and we ended up with 16 at the end of two years. But he, the bishop was assuring me that as soon as he got me in his district that he would move me into a church of equal size to our Tucson church. And, and with these promises and so forth, we, we leaned upon the word of man and we decided to come. <laughs> and after two years of hard labor and no results, I wrote him, reminding him of, him of his promise. And I received a letter back which was informing me that because nothing had happened there, that I really wasn't deserving of any uh, larger church and that anyhow I'd have to wait till some pastor died or whatever before I could move up. So I wrote him back and said I really didn't have time to wait for a pastor to die. (laughs) And I resigned from the ministry, figuring to, well, I got a laundry route for a while and I was just figuring to get whatever I could. As far as work, support the family, and pretty discouraged at that point. But while we were in the in Corona, we met a young couple. They didn't come to our church, but his mother did. She was a very spiritual, godly woman. She used to spend a lot of time in prayer with us and encouraging us. And we kept in touch with this woman through the years. Well, There were some changes, and there was a division of districts, and a new bishop came in, and he came to me and said, hey, I would like to see you back in the ministry, and offered me a church in Huntington Beach, which we took, and we spent five wonderful years in Huntington Beach, close to the surf, and, you know, it was nice. Church was small enough that I could go surfing in the morning and take care of the church duties in the afternoon, and really enjoyed it. And we were seeing some marvelous blossoming forth and growth in the church there when this bishop asked me to go out and take a church in Los Serranos under very difficult circumstances. The pastor who had started the church in Los Serranos and had been there from its inception was discovered to have been a homosexual and had been a Uh, engaging some of the young boys in the church in the practices, and they was discovered. And so uh, the church was just at that, you know, it was was just broken and going to pieces. And so the bishop asked me if I wouldn't please go out and see if I couldn't minister to the people to help put things together. So under great pressure from the Lord, not the bishop, because he gave me the privilege of praying about it and giving him a yes or no answer, But at this date, the Lord was putting me under pressure. 
I went out to Los Serranos, and those were hard years. Smog and tough neighborhood. It was just, it was just a bad, bad scene. But while we were there, because of our previous meeting, this couple in Corona, and because the church wasn't that far from Corona, they started over to the Los Serranos church with some couples. And the church was prospering and flourishing. The people were great. We loved the ministry to the people. We just didn't like living in that particular area. And then my mother was not well, and an opportunity came to move down to Costa Mesa. So we moved down and began to pastor here in Costa Mesa for a couple of years to be around my mother because we could tell that she wasn't going to be with us very much longer, and so we wanted to be near her. But at this point, I had just had it with denominationalism. And I was praying and seeking that God would give me a way out, that I might just serve him freely without the bondage and the restrictions and the restraints that were being placed upon me by the denomination. By this time, we had a new bishop, and we just didn't get along at all. He knew, uh, I guess somebody had told him that I was sort of independent, and he called me in and warned me never to go independent. But yet, I just, I just couldn't take it any longer. And so I just resigned once more from the ministry. But these couples that had come to our church in Los Serranos during this lean time, they said, would you mind starting a Bible study in our home in Corona? So we started the Bible study in their home in Corona, and God began to bless the Bible study. The thing began to grow until we had to get a, the home wasn't big enough. We had to move in the American Legion Hall. And so we started an independent church in Corona. The first, that was God's way to get me out of the bondage of denominationalism. So then I could look back and I could say, oh, Lord, those two miserable years I was in Corona, thank you, Lord, you put us in the right context, you know. Those two miserable years out in Los Serranos, Lord, your hand was just working. For, oh, Lord, you're so wise. I got to put all the together. <laughs> you know, and I realized how God had, was so far ahead of me. It's glorious how God goes ahead of us. God said to Israel after he brought them through the wilderness experience, and every place where you pitched your tent, I prepared it for you. I went before you and prepared the place for you to pitch your tents. Now looking back, I can see how God had prepared places for me to pitch my tents. As I was living in those tents, I thought I was pretty far away from God at times. I thought God has forsaken me in this place. I'm going to die in the wilderness. But not so. God's hand was in every move. And looking back, you know, for a while I thought, man, that was the greatest mistake I ever made. Boy, I sure learned not to move, you know, again at the voice of man, but just really listen to God and all this. And yet, as I look back, I see how that God's hand was in each move because there were the contacts made there, you know, and I could see how God was putting the whole thing together from the beginning. And then even in our coming down to Costa Mesa to begin our pastoring of Calvary Chapel, we look back and we see how God's 
hand was in the whole thing. God had this in mind all the time. I had no idea God had this in mind. I was hoping that he had in mind a church of 250 people someday. And that was my ambition and my prayer. That shows how God does exceeding abundantly <laughs> above all we ask or think. Our very first service in the new little chapel that we had built over here a block away. The reason why it was built to accommodate 300 people is because in seminary I learned that you can only hold five-sixths of the seating capacity of the auditorium, so you build your auditorium one-sixth bigger than what you want your congregation to be, and if your auditorium is for 300, you can maintain a congregation of 250. After that, they get so crowded, they get discouraged, they don't come back. <laughs> I learned that in my pastoral theology class. <laughs> so when our very first Sunday, the place was packed, we had built it for expansive purposes, figuring to expand into it. And when in the very first Sunday the place was packed, I thought, oh, it's grand opening Sunday. Everybody loves a grand opening. By next Sunday, we'll be down to 250, and I finally got my dream church. <laughs> Imagine that. And it was my dream church. That church over there, uh, the way it was, was just a dream that I had. Glass walls, green carpeting, burnt orange upholstered pews, <laughs> overhanging walls with gardens outside. You're sitting in a garden to worship the Lord. What could be more beautiful? My dream church, 250 people. And we're just going to just sit there and love the Lord and grow and, you know, fellowship and all with each other, and it's just going to be great. Well, when the next Sunday the place was packed again, I began to wonder what's going on. I really expected 250 the second Sunday because that's what I learned in seminary. So I want you to know it wasn't my faith that built the church. I was confident we were going to be down to 250 one of these days. But looking back, I can see how all the way the Lord was leading. The Lord had his hand upon it. The Lord was preparing. Paul looking back in his life, could see the purposes of God for each situation. Why he was born in Tarsus. Why he was educated at the feet of Gamaliel. Why he had a Greek background and a Hebrew background both. And he, he, could, he could see then how God was preparing him for this special ministry and special mission. And I look back on my own life and I see from the beginning, how God's hand was upon me. Though I didn't at many times realize it or know it, yet as I look back, I can see how God's hand was protecting me, how God's hand was keeping me, how God's hand was watching over me, for the Lord was with me. And Joseph, now in the position of ruler over Egypt, he could see now the total plan of God, and the picture now begins to come into focus and make sense. All of that was to get me to this place. 
If I had never been thrown in the prison, I would have never met the butler. I'd have never been able to interpret his dream. I'd never been called to interpret the Pharaoh's dream. The prison experience was necessary. If I hadn't been sold by my brothers as a slave, I'd have never come to Egypt. You see, and so you start looking back, and all of a sudden, click, click, click. Oh, ho, ho, I see God's hand. God's been working. God's hand is on my life. And it's always wonderful when you can get to some of those vista points. Now, we go through a lot of valleys where you can't see nothing. You know, it's just bleak. All you can see is just the massive cliffs around you. But God gets us out on the vistas every once in a while. We begin to look, oh, yes, oh, look, that valley. I can see it now, and I can follow my path through the valley, and I can see where that all had a purpose. I'd never gotten to this point unless I'd come through there. Glorious to see how God's hand leads and guides in the circumstances of our life. Those that we thought were horrible, those that we thought were God-forsaken places, those that we looked upon as the wilderness experiences of our life, yet in all of those, God had a purpose, God had a plan to bring us to this place. For you see, God is preparing all of you to reign with him. That's God's ultimate purpose. We shall live and reign with him. That's God's ultimate purpose in your life. Now, in order to groom you for this position of reigning, you've got to go through some schooling. You're not yet equipped to reign. You're not yet able to reign. And so God must bring us through these necessary experiences, some of them bitter, some of them hard, some of them difficult, some of them we don't understand. But one day when we're reigning with him, we'll be able to look back on it all and rejoice and thank God for every trial and all that we went through. Therefore, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, when you're faced with problems and difficulties because God is working in you, preparing you for that which he has prepared for you, reigning with him forever. Rejoice. Lift up your heart. Be encouraged in the Lord, for God has a plan even in the difficult circumstances of your life. So Joseph gathered up all the food the seven years in the land of Egypt, and he laid up the food in the cities, the food of the field which was round about every city. He laid up the same. 49. And Joseph gathered the wheat as the sand of the sea very much until he quit counting it, for it was without number. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which... Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On, bare unto him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God, he said, hath made me forget my toil. So Manasseh means forgetting. But the Lord was with Joseph, even now in prosperity. Now there are many times when people acknowledge the Lord with them through the hard places. They know they can't get through without the Lord, but when the days of prosperity come, it's a different story. But now Joseph is reigning, but he still has not forgotten God. In fact, he names his first son by the fact that God has caused him to forget those bitter 20 years or 13 years of bitterness. God has caused me to forget all of the toil all of the slave labor, 
all of the imprisonment. And his second son he named Ephraim, which means fruitful, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Again, acknowledging God, the fruitfulness, the prosperity is because of God. God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. The land was his land of affliction, but yet God blessed him and made him fruitful there, even as God can bless and make you fruitful in affliction. The seven plenteous years in the land of Egypt was over, and the seven years of drought began to come, the dirt. According as Joseph had said, and the dearth was in all the lands, but in the land of Egypt there was bread. And when the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, and Pharaoh said to the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, and what he says to you do. And the famine was over the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses, and he sold unto the Egyptians, and the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all of the countries came into Egypt to Joseph to buy corn or wheat, because that the famine was so sore in all the lands. So God had him down there for the preservation of the people through these seven lean years. And God had gone before. God was ahead of him. God could foresee. And that is why we have difficulty often in understanding the ways of God because we can't see. I don't know what lies ahead. And I'm often prone to challenge God and to question God for the things that he is doing because I can't see what's ahead. But because God can see down the road, he's preparing me now for eternity. That which God is doing in my life now is always in the view of the eternal plan that he has for me. And so many times, in order to fulfill eternal purposes, there is a time of temporary sorrow or grief or suffering or pain. But as Paul the Apostle, we are convinced that the present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. And this light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working an exceeding eternal weight of glory. Cheer up. Go out and face the world with a smile and with a victory in your heart because you are God's child and he's preparing you to reign with him eternally. Don't get discouraged or under the circumstances and don't think that God has forgotten you or forsaken you. God sees the travail of your heart and his soul. He knows the fetters with which you are bound but they are all a necessary process of God as he trains you and as he grooms you and as he brings you into that place that he might bestow upon you his glory, his power, his love, that you might reign with him, world without end. So we look not at the things which are seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but we look at the things which are not seen, for the things which are not seen are eternal. Get our eyes upon the eternal goal, upon the eternal rewards, upon that which God is working out in our lives as far as his eternal purposes. And then we endure, and we can endure 
our present difficulties if we keep the proper perspective. In Hebrews, the 11th chapter, talking about the Old Testament saints who went through such suffering, who went through such tribulation and trial, and it said, and they endured as seeing the invisible. You tell somebody you can see the invisible things and they think you're crazy. But I'll tell you, that's what gives you the enduring qualities is seeing beyond just the temporary problem, just seeing beyond this temporary material physical world into the spiritual eternal world, that's the thing that keeps you going. That's the thing that gives you the enduring quality that you need, for we're looking for a city which hath foundation, whose maker and builder is God. And we're gonna live and reign with him forever in his kingdom. And our eyes are set like flint towards that goal as we walk together with Him. For the Lord is with us, and He is working in us even in the adverse circumstances that He might bring us in to the glory of His kingdom. return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 41 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Father, we thank you for your work in us, and we yield now our members as instruments unto righteousness, unto thee. Lord, as we look back, we can truly say all the way, my Savior led me. What more can I ask? What more could I desire? That your hand be upon my life, that you be with me and lead me, Lord. I thank you. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Lord, I believe in you. I'll always believe in you. It is by faith 
that you've been walking into one level of spiritual maturity to another. Faith is the key to a successful Christian life. And that is why the Word of God tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It was faith that led Abraham into the land of promise. It was faith that led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. It was faith that enabled Peter to step out of the boat and to walk on water. The question is, what might faith do in you? To order a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, Faith, or to preview a chapter for free online, visit thewordfortoday.org or call 800-272-9673.